This is the Stay Healthy New Jersey podcast, aimed at helping you live an active and healthy life in and around Somerset and Union County, New Jersey. This podcast is brought to you by Strive to Move, located in Warren and Berkeley Heights. Strive to Move helps active adults in New Jersey get back to doing what they love pain-free. We are doing another, I guess we call it Ask Me Anything AMA, but we might have to find a better name, but anyway... For the audience's sake, Hannah, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm excellent. Thank you. Um, we haven't recorded one of these since I think, I don't even know what month it was, but I want to give people, you know, in a little bit of update, maybe some case studies, how we're doing here, how the patients are doing and, and sort of take it from there. So the big thing in our practice now is, you know, it's interesting when, and I'm curious to get your perspective on it, when you started working here almost a year and a half ago now, uh, the way that our business runs is very kind of unique to most medical practices, so to speak, in that we don't see tons of people. There aren't people running all over the place. There's not assistance and, and massive amounts of doctors and, and front desk. You know, there's, it's very minimal, right? It's the patient, the doctor. We used to have admin and you in the office, but it was never more than four or five people into the office. Um, and what we found, the point of all of this to say, the good news with COVID and the precautions we've had to take is our business model in general has been perfect for this situation. Right, so for sure. It's something that um, I think is unique in medicine today, but it's something that where a lot of other kind of medical practices have really had to change the way they do business. We actually haven't changed anything from a logistics perspective. Obviously we're doing the masks and, you know, taking precautions and cleaning and things of that nature, but from a how practice management standpoint of how we run our practice, we're doing exactly what we've always done, which is one-on-one, you know, not tons of people around. And I think it's been really beneficial for us. And, and luckily, you know, so far we've been okay through it. Right. And I mean, I know for me, from a marketing perspective, talking to you know, anyone who I may be talking to about the business during this time, it's been kind of easy. Like, I'm like, yeah, nothing's really changed. You know, we practice this way and we can continue to practice this way. So we really lucked out with the, you know, the systems that we followed and the logistics that were in place going into this. Yeah. It's, it's been nice because with COVID and, you know, to respect, you know, everything that's going on to understand it, but then also try to obviously help our patients and also run our business. So many businesses businesses have had to really change whether, you know, we were talking before about a gym, you know, it's, it's so different now, or even the restaurants, which, you know, we all feel terrible for which what's going on. It's just so hard to be able to do anything in any capacity of, of what they used to be able to do. And again, fortunately for us, not knowing this two years ago, five years ago, when we started to practice the way that we did, it, um, it really hasn't changed for us, which has been, it's been nice. And I think also, I think our patients, when we reopened after Memorial Day was when we were doing virtual. And then we started seeing people basically the beginning of June. And for two months, it was probably the busiest two months we've ever had between new patients and old patients coming back where I know that a lot of doctor's offices are were slow and are still slow. And I think that because people, either they had heard how we practiced or they knew from being with us in the past that they thought, you know, hey, I need to see something. And 
Um, this is the most comfortable type of situation that I'm ever going to be in because, you know, there's not a lot of things going on. There's not a lot of people around. And, and so that's been, you know, you know, really great. And it's nice for us, you know, when kind of running the practice to look at it and say that people trust us enough to trust us with their health, but more so in this situation that we're going to do the right thing. And I've heard that quite a few times. Like I've had patients that have come in and said, I haven't gone back to my massage therapist because I don't know if they're wearing the mask. I don't know if they're doing what they're supposed to do, but like you guys do the right thing, which is, uh, which was nice to hear. Do you have any colleagues that would come to mind when you talk about needing to change their whole business model? A hundred percent. And, you know, the, a lot of times from a clinical perspective, we'll get patients that might come from those type of settings because they're not getting what they need from a, like a technical treatment standpoint. And so let's look at like the big, you know, physical therapy centers that, you know, see three or four patients at once. Um, and unfortunately, some of my friends that, you know, they're physical therapy assistants, meaning that the physical therapist does like 15 minutes of work with them. And then they pass them along to the physical therapy assistant so that they can see more volume of patients, usually at least four per hour. A lot of them are still unemployed because they've had to wow. change their model. Like they're, they're not using assistance anymore. They've had to sort of change and they're not used to that, right? They're not used to running a business that way. And, um, you know, from a chiropractic standpoint, one of the business models, which again, you probably never even seen before, just to, because, you know, why would you is like, we call it like this open area of adjusting. Essentially, it's a big open space with a bunch of different treatment tables where in order to get to patients faster, the, you know, Hannah, you're on that table and three feet next to you, I'm on that table. And then, you know, your cousin's on that table and they just kind of go around in a circle, um, six, seven, eight patients, per hour, sometimes even more. And obviously that can't happen anymore. Right. And so mm -hmm. they've had to really adjust and change what, what they've done, um, especially in those circumstances. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm sure. And like you said, I haven't seen that side of the profession, but I can only imagine that, you know, we really just, we really lucked out going into this. We did, we did. And, and like I said, we've always done it we've always done it because we think it's the right way to practice. And then obviously now it's sort of been, I guess, justified in that it's also the right thing to do during this time as well. So that's been, uh, that's been really good. Um, the next thing that I wanted to sort of go through in our trainings, we often talk about when we get a patient on the, on the phone, one of the things we talk to them about is saying, Hey, we want to figure out if we're a good fit for you. And we've talked about this on the podcast before because yeah, usually you call the doctor and it's like, I wanna go see that doctor and they just kind of bring you in. And for us, we sort of think about it a little bit different in that we also wanna figure out if you're a good fit for us. And so people kind of like, what the heck does that even mean? Like if we're, we wanna to come to see you, why wouldn't you see us? And because of how we do things, we're so conscious of making sure to the best of our ability that when we bring someone in, we really believe that we can help them get the outcomes that they're looking for. Um, and if we can't, we try not to take them on as a patient because at the end of the day, no one's gonna be happy. Like We're not gonna be happy we didn't get an outcome. They're gonna spend time and money with us and they're not gonna be happy because they didn't get an outcome. And if we can sort of stop that process and have that conversation in the beginning, we're going to be significantly better off uh, all around. And I think at the end of the day, the patient will actually respect us even more for, for having that conversation. 
Um, and so when we talk through, Hannah, you've been on our, our training calls about understanding what patients sort of tell us. Um, and what we'll give kind of an insight into, you know, one of the sort of objections that we often see mm -hmm. that for us is a yellow flag, red flag as to someone maybe not as a good fit. What's the, let me ask you, I'm going to quiz you, put you on the spot. What's the, I knew this was coming. Of, what's the one sort of, ob we'll call it objection or what, do, if we sense from a person on the phone or in the office that what's the one that's very, very challenging for us and where we might say, Hey, this isn't a good fit. What's the one kind of situation. So we call it desire, whether the person is, can they live with the problem? Have they figured out how to, you know, just that it's part of their normal life. Do they really want to put in the time, the effort, the money, the hard work to fix their problem? And when we see that, it's always the hardest in the end. And so this is, well, we got to go into this a little bit uh, because you would think if someone's calling our office or they're inquiring with us or whatever that they have the, they're in pain, they want to fix it. But we've seen not not always, right? Not not as much as you would think. So what sort of have you seen where? And we've all done it. That's the thing. We do it all the time. Is there anything that you've seen that's been surprising for you when when a patient does call and we're saying, yeah, like actually this might not be, excuse me, the best time. For I don't you. even know if I would say surprising. More is like. It makes you think, because I think in a black and white world, yeah, if somebody's, you know, looking us up online and searching, you know, treatment for my back pain, you would think that they, that's what they want. They want treatment for their back pain. But how many times do you or do I sit around and Google things that I don't maybe have the total intention of going through with or buying, you know, how many items have I put in my cart that I haven't actually paid for at the end of the day? It doesn't mean that I don't want it or it wouldn't be nice, but it's like, the desire really to how badly do I want it? And I think that, you know, we've seen people who in the spur of the moment might be like, Oh, you know what? This back pain's really, I, I, it's getting to me. I'm just going to see what my options are. And then, you know, at least what we say is like somebody that with us, they're going to put in time. They're going to put in effort. They're going to work hard. They're going to learn. Um, and that's going to be a part of this permanent recovery that we can actually give to people. And then I think when they get there, it's just like, Oh, like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, like I've kind of learned how to live with it. Like, you know, we won't say names, but the one patient that we've talked about a lot who is pretty, you know, active in fitness, does a lot of, uh, you know, bigger lifts and stuff. And she was kind of like, yeah, if I never do this lift again, like I'll be okay. So she, to me, I'm like, okay, well, if, if you're not dying to be able to do a specific lift and your back pain is the one thing that's preventing you, you know, what, where's the drive? Like, wh where's the motivation to actually fix this? If you're kind of like, yeah, it's there, but you know, I'm all right with it. Yeah. It's like, that's a totally different conversation or situation at that point. You know, you're not, you're not motivated. Yeah. And we always tell people it takes, I don't think of it this way, but it sort of takes courage for someone to, a, to pick up the phone but B, to actually come in to see us, right? And then for them to commit to working with us, um, it's not easy, you know? We spend an hour with each patient. So then, then you start to play this out a little bit and say, all right, they're gonna drive here. Let's say it's 15 minutes, 20 minutes. They're gonna see us for an hour. They're gonna drive home. It, you know, it's a three hours out of their day. It's a time commitment. The best, biggest resource all of us have is generally time. You know, so they're going to have to make a commitment. Not only that, we're going to send them home with things that they need to do on their own exercise wise. 
And again, part of our process is understanding like if, if that's not what they're looking for, or what they want to do, it doesn't mean that they're bad people or that, you know, they don't have a problem. It just means that we might not be the best fit. And, you know, I can't reiterate enough that when you start to think about it, you know, in these ways, like our job sort of becomes a little bit easier, right? Because, uh, you know, we don't see a ton of, let's call it, um, you know, in my prior practice, sometimes we'd see like car accident patients. And one of the sort right. of stereotypes with someone that's in a car accident sometimes is, you know, they might not always be that motivated to get better because they have something else riding on it, like disability or something else, or they can make more money if they don't get better. You know, those, those things happen for real. We don't see that generally, but when you bring someone in and they're really not even trying to get a result or they're not motivated, like, you know, of course you're not going to get an outcome. And that's usually from a clinical perspective, like where us as, as doctors get really burnt out when you're kind of seeing patients that maybe don't even want to get better. And it's like, wait, what? Like, this is, this is crazy. So, you know, we've sort of turned it upside down and said, let's screen people and get an idea of if they are motivated to get better. And if they're not, or we're not the best option, we're happy to kind of send them to somebody else who might be a better fit. Like, um, you know, I have no shame in someone that wants to come in and lay on the table and get like a massage quotes and get adjusted and go on their way. And that's what they're looking for. And, and sort of sending to sending them to someone who does that. Uh, I have no shame in sending them out for that only because if that's what they're looking for, you know, we're not going to be the place for them. Um, even though it's like, no, no, we can help you and do that, but meh, not really. That's not sort of, you know, what we do. Right. That's what I was going to say. I mean, when I think about the way we work, it's like, oh, you hear chiropractor. And we often have people who even come in and are like, oh, I'm looking for a chiropractic massage or which I'm pretty sure doesn't even exist, but things like that. And when I hear the word massage or, you know, just lay on the table, it sounds like relaxing and like no effort, but I know it goes on inside that treatment room. It's, it's not easy. It's like, I think one time I was working with Ashton, he was like, oh, do you want to do this? Like right before you go to the gym? Like, are you sure? And I was kind of like, you know, that's a, that's a good question because it's, it's not easy. I mean, I'm holding these heavy kettlebells. I'm doing actual exercises that I would do at the gym. Like uh, you're working hard. Um, and yeah. then that brings me, I think it would be interesting to hear uh, from your perspective. I kind of gave a short example of somebody who didn't have the desire. What's somebody who you feel like you work with that just all the desire was there. They were like, so motivated it made the outcome that much better um i think for that type of person it's usually always something's really been sort of taken away from them right um you know the easy example is our is our friend who we've talked about before who couldn't get on the floor with his granddaughter like i just he just couldn't get down there right it wasn't gonna happen new new baby first grandchild couldn't get down the floor because of you know the couple of various issues but one of them was shoulder and back and it's like that person will do anything to be able to, you know, have that experience. Um, you know, another one is someone which it's kind of a good segue is someone that basically they're staring down surgery and they're saying like, I want to try this before surgery. Whereas, mm -hmm. you know, they're looking at, they're, they're petrified of possibly doing surgery or having surgery. And this is an option for them to explore you know, before they, you know, go under the knife, so to speak. Um, th those types of people are, are very, very motivated, which, you know, is a great segue into, um, you know, the next sort of topic I had here was, 
a patient who came to us looking to avoid back surgery, who ends up still having to have back surgery, but who Dr. Ash has been working with, has still thought what we did for him was so valuable and he's so happy that he came in, which again is counterintuitive because you would think that someone that's coming in looking to avoid surgery and then coming to see us has sort of failed. Right. Um, you know, we failed at what we're looking for, but in this situation, we really haven't. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about this patient. It's an older gentleman in his seventies who has stenosis in his spine, which stenosis is really your spinal canal gets narrow and it starts to kind of compress on the nerves and you can get pain going down your, your legs. You know, that's generally a problem with um, older people usually have this type of issue. Now he had done physical therapy in the past and was sort of looking for some other options because he knew uh, before, you know, Thanksgiving that he had this surgical option and he wanted to try everything before that. So long story right. short, he comes in um, or long story long, whatever you want to call it, comes to see us and we start working with him. And the good news was if his pain was a 10 out of 10, just as comparison, he's now at a four out of 10, but he still has pain. Mm -hmm. And so what we've proven over the course of our treatment with him is that this entire thing that he was experiencing, this experience of pain is not all something that needed to be fixed by surgery. We've right. proven that 60% of the problem needed just the right rehab and treatment. And here's why this is so important. That this is, this is probably the most important part of this conversation. When someone goes for surgery, there are times, and you probably have heard this concept of like failed surgery. Mm -hmm. And so one of the reasons for a failed surgery is not because they didn't fix the right problem. It's because they had more than one problem contributing to their pain. That's what I was going to ask. Exactly. Yes. That, and you're a hundred percent. And I'll give you a couple other examples where this can, you know, really, really become an issue. Um, in this situation, there's a good chance that if this patient went, never saw us and went right to surgery, he would come out of surgery. The surgery would be successful. And he would still have pain right. because that 60% of the problem was never actually fixed. The surgery didn't fix that. There was some other muscle imbalance, some other weakness, some other problem that was also contributing to, contributing to this that wouldn't have been addressed. And so this person would have got out of surgery and still been in pain. Now, maybe not as much pain, but he still would have been in pain. I believe now he's going in with a significantly better shot to come out and be pain-free because we really addressed, you know, both sides of this equation. And so um, one of the other areas that this can happen a lot, and have you, you probably heard of carpal tunnel syndrome? Yes. So carpal tunnel is, the carpal tunnel is an actual thing. It's where the muscles of the hand kind of get compressed right in the base of the hand and you get numbness into like your full fingers. It happens with like desk workers and a lot right. of people like that. One of the things, whenever we hear someone tell us they have carpal tunnel, we immediately like take a step back and make sure that it isn't something else because carpal tunnel is classic to have a problem with a nerve somewhere else up the chain, right? So the nerves that, that supply the, the fingers, they start in the neck. Yeah. And so if those nerves are compressed in the neck or in the shoulder or in the armpit or in the bicep or in the elbow or in the forearm, they could all contribute to these symptoms that go into the hand that might be cause, again, quotes, carpal tunnel that aren't actually being caused by the carpal tunnel. Again, 
carpal tunnel surgery works if you have a compression of the actual carpal tunnel. Right. If you don't have a compression there and you fix the carpal tunnel, you're still going to have a problem. So back to the patient that we were just talking about, who is an older gentleman and is now going into the surgery with a better shot. If now I, this isn't the case, if we saw this guy, let's pretend that we've been around forever when he was 30, could surgery have been prevented? Do you think that something happened where it was like, no, he needed the surgery? Or do you think that it was just years and years of, uh, what's the right word, you know, like wear and tear or something? Yeah. Like yeah. And just, you know, not taking care of these little, um, you know, whatever you want to call them issues. Yes. Right. I, I, yeah, I think it's a great question. And, you know, obviously there's no 100% surefire way to know that to go back, but, um, you know, I can tell you taking into my own situation, right. I've already had back surgery and, you know, I've been working with our friend, Dr. Allison for six, eight, 10 weeks now. And I can tell you that the issues that I've been having that would eventually lead to probably more issues down the line, we're starting to really, I think, kind of break through and correct some of these things, these things that if left for the next 30, 40 years, I would be in a similar position at 70 because right. some of the things that we're fixing right now are, you know, lack of strength in my core, range of motion deficits in my spine, the ability to kind of, we call it segmenting the spine to be able to move in an appropriate way. Those are all things that we're working on correcting that. Those are the things that will eventually cause degenerative spine, right? Now, mm -hmm. part of getting older is, is, you know, degeneration, right? They say it's like wrinkles on your skin. I always say the question is how much, right? Yeah. You know, to what, to what level, to what extent? And, you know, you've had your, the thing with your knee, right? Like I'm 100% bullish that if not, you have knee pain. Now the knee pain will probably go away. But my thing with you is if we don't correct the things surrounding the knee, eventually your knee's going to get worse, or you're going to have a problem in your hip or you're going to have something else that's going to, that's going to win eventually in, in 30 years. It's like, Oh, God, I need a knee replacement. Well, why? Because right. you never addressed it when you were 25, 26, the actual problem, mm -hmm. you know, pain is pain or discomfort or weakness or lack of strength is always sort of a signal that something is underlying. Like it's not a normal process. Um, and, you know, our job hopefully for us is to really explore and sort of get to the root cause. And, and again, just to kind of give an example, you could have came to us, Hannah, with, with knee pain like you did, and we could have gotten you out of pain probably in 24 hours by giving you a cortisone shot. It would have taken away inflammation and you would have felt like a million bucks. Right. Um, but it wouldn't have addressed the underlying issue to a bigger, to a larger extreme. Um, one of our patients who is going in for a hip replacement in November, um, they've been trying to put it off for as long as they, they could. And, and again, you know, with my sort of blessing, like I, I think it was the right thing to do to put it off, to let him kind of live as, as much as he could for the last year, they've been sort of doing cortisone shots in his hip. Now mm -hmm. he, to his like, Hey, how'd you feel after cortisone? I felt like I could run a marathon. Now wow. we, we took the act, he took the x-ray. He still was, he still had a hip that needed to be replaced, but the cortisone just put a bandaid on it. Have you ever uh, had a cortisone shot? I haven't. No, I have okay. not had a cortisone Me neither. shot. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's, I mean, it's effective, but again, the problem, the problem is a lot of people kind of don't know the downsides of it. And one of the downsides of cortisone is that it, 
you know, inflammation is a good thing in the sense of it brings healing cells to an area. And when you put cortisone in it, that takes away that stuff, right? You mm-hmm. know, so it takes away all the natural healing mechanisms that would happen to an area. And that can really kind of put you in a bad place long-term. I mean, the if I learned one thing with the knee stuff that I'm dealing with, it's that I would never want to get a cortisone shot because you guys proved to me like how blatantly obvious the issues are that are causing my knee pain. And it's not my knee. It's, you know, I mean, again, my, my, uh, recollection of it isn't going to be as good as yours, but like, it's my hips, it's my, my feet, apparently. I mean, everything around my knee, you guys showed me that was the issue. And so now that I know that, I mean, I know that a cortisone shot would never fix that. I know it's, I'm going to have to work on these things for a long time to, you know, hopefully fix this problem. And it was pretty, it was pretty nuts to, to see how bad it was. Some of my imbalances. What's your, what's your brother's name? Eric. Eric. So the knee is sort of like Eric almost. We call the knee the redheaded stepchild. <laughs> yeah. And his, and his brother is a redhead, but he isn't a stepchild. No. Um, but the knee is like the redhead stepchild. It's like it gets blamed for everything, but it's very rarely the problem. There you go. And you sort of saw that very Oh my God. Yeah. It was pretty crazy. I mean, yeah. for, for anyone listening, it was like Justin just went into this total like, doctor mode and was like, okay, do this. And eventually, I mean, they explained everything that they were doing as him and Ashton went through it, but it was just, I'm sitting here with knee pain. It was like, okay, now put your foot on the ground and try to move your toes. I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> yeah. it was really, it was really nuts. But then when, you know, they explained everything to me and it was so clear, it's like, these things shouldn't be hard. Like this should have been, you know, you should have been able to do this. And that to me was just like, holy cow. I mean, I would have never known that and it was like really eye-opening and also very interesting I mean I know it's not a good thing but it was very interesting to see for myself firsthand yeah and and that goes back to what we really sort of preach with patients and again a good segue we talk about you know generally when people come to us there are times maybe 20 percent of the time people sort of call up and and say like I'm just looking for some other stretches to be able to do for my back or for my hip or for my knee or all these things. And usually that's a sign to us that we really have our work cut out for us and rolling up our sleeves. It's not because it's hard to give someone stretches. It's because their understanding of the reason they're having a problem, they're reaching out, but for, for help, but their, their solution is not one that is going to help them. right? Right. So the idea is they just want like my back hurts. What are three really good stretches I can do? And the answer is like, I don't even know if you need to be stretching. And most likely if you're calling us, you don't because you've already tried stretching and it hasn't worked. And like, we're not, you know, we're not going to lie to people and tell you that the stretches we give you are any different than the ones that you can find on YouTube. Like, that's not what we do. We joke with people that if that was the answer, we'd be out of business. Mm -hmm. Uh, The, the answer to the problem is, do you even need those stretches? Are they the right stretches for you? AKA, can we find the root cause of this issue, right? So um, our, you know, sort of my next bullet point here is someone out there that is just looking for stretches, that is looking on YouTube, that's looking for exercises. They're essentially, you know, sometimes it works. And again, we don't see the ones that it works with, but there's so many people that will say, maybe I just am not doing the right stretches or maybe, you know, I need other stretches to do. AKA, which is screaming, we just haven't figured out the actual problem. 
right? right. Like Hannah, if you went online to figure, to find exercises for knee pain, um, we never would have figured out that your hips and your foot were a contributing factor. How would you have known that? You didn't look up foot, foot issues. No one found <laughs> the fact that no one would have figured it out. Right. right? I mean, for sure. So um, almost never when someone comes in and wants stretches, do we end up giving them stretches? Yeah. And Especially I mean, for that area. Right. Um, so if you're out there and, and this is just a, a you know, kind of friendly advice for anybody is like, I use YouTube all the time for a lot of things. Um, we all do. We look up things and find I recipes. I use it for and golf stuff. I use it for golf. I, use I it only for, know that like, because I use the business account and it's always uh, like suggested videos, golf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's a good thing. That's all. <laughs> or or like grilling. Would, it's golf or would, it's grilling. <laughs> I was going to say my barbecue, you would, um, yeah. I tell you, if I was in some weird stuff, you'd probably figure I, I it would out know. real quickly. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a good thing that it doesn't come up. Um, so yeah, like I look up recipes and things of that nature. Now, to the point of, it's kind of a good example. I look up as many recipes as I want, how to smoke brisket, and I still haven't mastered the recipe. Now, I haven't done it a ton of times, but I'm at a point where YouTube hasn't solved my problem. I probably need someone to like tell me, no, 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 this is your problem specifically like for you. Right. Um, similarly, in our situation, our value generally is not giving you exercises. If, we, if you think our value is giving you exercises, like we didn't do a good job explaining what we do. Mm -hmm. Our value is in figuring out what the actual exercises are. Right. right? And that's I mean, there's really literally the no way is. that somebody like me who I, I don't, I think I'm a relatively intelligent person, but I, I'm not ever going to have figured out what, you know, what types of exercises and things I would have needed. I, I, I used to always, well, I still do, but I'm, I'm hoping I'm doing it better now. I'm, I try keeping a neutral spine during a single leg deadlift is a lot harder than it sounds. And I literally would have always thought that I was a good deadlifter, good single leg deadlift. I like doing those. And when Ashton watched me and tried to get me into neut a neutral spine, like he literally, I felt like I was being pushed over, but there's no way like I would have ever been able to figure that out on my own. And even if somehow the internet did tell me, oh, you should do a single leg deadlift to work on strengthening your glutes, I'd be like, okay. And then here's me doing it, thinking really, I mean, I really thought that I was great at that exercise and here I am, you know, and nothing about bad. Yeah, no, I wasn't good at it. It's just the balance and the neutral spine was like, it, it was just something I would have, there's absolutely no way I could have ever figured that out on my own. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a good, it's a good point. All right. So I got two more topics for today. I want to talk about our October referral for award. And, you know, we have these, we have these pillow-wise custom pillows in our office and we get a lot of questions about them the most common one is like do they even work right why are they good <laughs> now i can tell you um they work because we post the video yet of del and i like yes del and i both use these custom pillows and we've used them for almost two years now and um and i'll talk a little about more what they are and what the referral for award is but I'll, i will tell you um i can promise you it wouldn't be worth our time um, or our reputation to like have a product that was crap. 
Um, it's just not <laughs> worth it, right? Like to be honest with you, even when we sell our pillows, we don't make a lot of money selling them. Like they're they're not they're not cheap to buy, and you know they're not cheap for someone else to buy. So we don't do it because it's like a you know we're not getting rich and moving to Tahiti with these pillows. We do them because we found a need where so many people out there like, oh, I have like 10 different pillows and I've tried this and I've tried that and I've tried this and they go to Bed Bath & Beyond and they buy this one and they have this mm -hmm. one and their pillow is wrong and then they try another one and they have neck pain when they wake up. I mean, everyone was talking about that. So right. it seemed like we should try to figure out a solution of, of there was something out there. And so these custom pillows, they have about, I think six different variations of them where we come in and Hannah, we would taste, take a tape measure and we would measure the circumference of your neck, the height from your neck to your shoulder, the distance from shoulder to shoulder, and then put that in with the type of mattress that you sleep on, soft, medium, or hard, and then your most common sleep position. So, you know, on your back, on your side, we right. plug that into a formula that the, this company has created and it spits out a pillow, a custom pillow for um, each person. And I can tell you that in the two years since we've been doing them, we offer a 14 day free trial of you don't pay until 14 days because mm -hmm. like we want you to try it first. We've had one person return it. And the reason they returned it was because they were having like real neck pain and they just wanted to see if it would help. And I didn't really think it would and it didn't because I had right. other issues going on. But outside of that, everyone has really, really loved the pillows that we've been able to you know, get them fitted for. And it makes so much sense that it's almost silly that it's not a real thing in that um, like, I'm not going to buy pants that are four sizes too small, or I'm not just going to randomly buy pants. I know my size, mm -hmm. you know, it's custom to, to my size, right? Shoes too. I'm not going to wear a size 15 if I'm a size 10 and a half, but right. I'm not just going to go randomly and pick one off the rack. I have to like try it on and get fitted and do all that. And then we think about sleep being probably the most important part of, of health and we're not even looking at anything that would be remotely helpful to get you know, us in a better sleep position. And so I think that this custom pillow has been really beneficial uh, for that to, to sort of dial in a little bit more for people on what they actually need when they're sleeping. So um, that's, that's generally, you know, what we're, uh, you know, what we're doing with them. Now, Going forward, we've we've uh, the month of October. What we've done is for someone that refers a patient to us who books a plan of care, we're actually you know going to enter them into a raffle to be able to win a free custom pillow, which we sell for one hundred and forty nine dollars. So they're not cheap, and we do mm -hmm. have a, a few people which we're going to have to fit for custom pillows because we have had a few referrals. That's this awesome, month, which is which is great. So so. Not to, you know, one quick thing about the pillows, because I would be curious, and I know that you and Dell use them, what are like the couple biggest benefits that you've seen from your old pillow versus the new or the pillow wise? Like what one actually of, have you seen? Yeah, so the, the one thing that's nice, and we before we had the custom pillows, one of the things we told patients to do is, so like your pillow is generally, it's, it's obviously raised, but it's kind of flat right? Yeah. And, it, and if you think about it, if you lay um, down either on your back or on your side, your head is supported, but many times your neck doesn't even touch the pillow, right? Because the, the pillow is just yeah. flat, your yeah. head goes on it and your neck isn't supported. So one of the features of the pillow that I really like is that it's, it's actually like fatter towards the front. So your head rests 
and then there's actually neck support. So imagine if you laid on your pillow on your like your flat pillow you have and then rolled up a towel and just put it under your neck, it would kind of give your neck a little bit of support. So that's one of the features that I really like. The other thing, it's, it's sort of a memory foam, which we've all are probably familiar with. So it doesn't like get soft or lose its shape, it always comes right back. And then um, I think the third most important one is that it is literally custom size. There's six different sizes. So Hannah, you and I, um, we don't look the same. We don't have the same body type. We don't weigh the same. Our shoulders aren't the same. Our neck height isn't the same. So you would think we would sleep probably on a different pillow and we would. And yeah. so the customization, I think is the number one thing that allows you to get to sleep uh, well and, and hopefully wake up with less stiffness and less neck pain overall. Yep. Um, so that's, that's that. So let's finish off. I have one more thing. Uh, the email that we sent out today is a case study email. And I just want to give people a little bit, I, people like this type of stuff to really yeah. sort of understand what we're looking for. And, uh, if I asked you, Hannah, what was tennis elbow, what would you say? Elbow pain caused from tennis overuse. Exactly. Yeah. Where <laughs> you know, this is, this is extra credit. Is it on the inside of the elbow or the outside of the elbow? I'm doing a tennis motion. I think on the outside. Yeah, good. You're right. Ooh, so I don't play so tennis. The nickname <laughs> is tennis elbow is as as outside elbow pain or lateral epicondylitis, and golfer's elbow is inside elbow pain, um, medial epicondylitis. So most people that come in with lateral elbow pain, they tell us that they have tennis elbow because that's what they found on Google, which sometimes is the case. Um, what people don't realize though is there are some situations that obviously it's not it could not be coming from that area. So we had a patient who came to us, lateral elbow pain, I have tennis elbow. Um, and as we started to look at it, there were some signs and symptoms that made me think maybe it's something else. One of them is imagine, so if you pointed to your elbow right now and you look down, you would get to your hand. So the elbow muscles attach from the elbow to the wrist. And so if you're going to have elbow pain, it could in theory radiate from the elbow down to the wrist, but it would never radiate up the shoulder, right? Because the elbow doesn't start at the shoulder, which makes sense. So this patient came in with elbow pain, but they also were having pain in their neck and their trap into their shoulder, even into their bicep. So that immediately made me think maybe it's something else here. Mm -hmm. As we started to sort of move them around and do some other tests, what we found was that if we put their neck in certain positions, it sort of made the elbow better or made the elbow worse. And so this started to tell us and paint a picture that the problem actually could be starting at their neck and referring down to their elbow. And right. quickly, one of the problems that we have is one of the neck muscles, I'm sorry, one of the nerves in the neck, its direct referral pattern is to the lateral elbow. Okay. So in theory, it could present with the exact same pain as lateral epicondylitis. And so this ended up being the case. This person was doing stretches, they found them on YouTube and they were getting worse. The reason it was getting worse is they were trying to stretch a nerve and nerves don't like to be stretched. So if they had lateral tennis elbow, it probably would have worked, but they didn't have tennis elbow. No one got to the root cause. They had gone to PT, they had done tons of elbow exercises and stretches and they were getting worse and worse and worse. So when they came to us, it was like, all right, let's kind of take a step back Let's do a Hannah here and like, let's globally look yes. at this thing and see what's going on. And we found in fact, that it was coming from the neck, that their elbow pain was from the neck. And then we could actually start 
coming up with a solution. Yeah, I mean, that's super interesting. Almost a little scary, you know, for all the people out there that might just self-diagnose themselves and then be stretching and making the problem worse. So I guess the takeaway is what's the one overall thing you would say to somebody who might be dealing with that exact problem or something similar where, you know, it could be one or the other and they're so blatantly different, but you wouldn't recognize them. I mean, the, the number one thing I believe is to, is to go to someone that can get you a real diagnosis that's going to spend time to figure it out, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so obviously, listen, if I didn't believe in what we did, we wouldn't do it, but we're going to spend the time, probably an hour, an hour and a half to really explore deep down into what's going on. I can tell you, you know, in the past, we've had patients that have come in with, you know, the case I was describing was pretty challenging and like we could miss it because it's hard. Like it's hard to figure out. Oh I've God, had other ones, hard. <laughs> but I've had other ones similar, similarly, but were not hard at all. It was just sort of the kind of negligence. Like there's one guy that had like shoulder pain going down to his arm that felt like numbness and tingling. And the, and the doctor diagnosed it as like a shoulder sprain. It was so blatantly not, it was like almost embarrassing wow. how, and it was literally like, he must've gone in my shoulder hurts. The guy's like, all right, let's send you to PT for six weeks. He brings a script for shoulder or, or elbow. I don't even know to the doctor or for the PT, the PT looks at it. He has to follow the script and they start doing shoulder and elbow exercises. No kidding. He doesn't get any better. He had a nerve impingement in his neck causing pain down his arm. And so the, luckily this was his, you know, he came to us and, and we were able to really spend the time. But at the end of the day, you know, if, whether it's YouTube or whether it's PT or whether it's orthopedist or whether it's whatever you've been doing, if you haven't gotten results after a finite period of time, whatever that doctor prescribed or PT prescribed or therapist said you should do, my thing is like, let's start to explore elsewhere. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's scary. It's scary to think of how easy it is. Cause I mean, I would argue that there's way more of the other option out there than there are of us. So it's definitely, I mean, a wake up call for anybody that, you know, has never thought this way for sure. Like I said, the most important, the, as we start to get clear for sort of what we provide for people, like I said, it's not the stretches. I think it's taking the time to actually try and come up with a root cause and figure out the problem, like really dive deep and figure the problem out. Like, is mm-hmm. your knee coming from your hip? Does your shoulder have anything to do with the fact that your thoracic spine doesn't rotate? Um, Is your back pain because your core doesn't really turn on? And maybe we get to the conclusion that no, like you just have back pain because you have back pain. Now, very rarely is that the case, but um, at least someone should take the time to figure that out, you know? And so, like I said, it's just spending enough time and understanding the history of what's going on to make sure we dive deep and get to the root cause, the diagnosis, you know, what's going on functionally, what have you done in the past, and really, really taking that time to understand and explore. There you go. Cool. Anything else for our audience? No, I think that sounds good. I hope that, you know, I mean, I've learned so much just from the year and a half of being here. So it's, I mean, and before Strive to Move, I would have never known any of this stuff. So it's just amazing to hear the stories and see the outcomes. And it's just like a whole, a whole world that like you would have never know existed. And it's so easy. Like I said, I hope I articulated that well, that there are just 
so an abundance of options out there, but it's worth taking the time to find the the right ones. Cause I mean, my life has been changed. That's for sure. That's awesome. Cool. All right, Hannah. Good job. Audience. We appreciate it. We'll be back soon hopefully with an interview very, very soon. Yes. Alrighty. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Stay Healthy New Jersey podcast brought to you by Strive to Move. If your pain or injury is preventing you from living the healthy and active lifestyle you love and deserve and want to get back to doing what you love pain-free, we offer both a free ebook and free over-the-phone consultation to help you figure out the root cause of your pain and the best next steps to help resolve it. Find our ebooks online at strivetomove.com slash our services. There you'll find an ebook for topics on such things as back pain, knee pain, sports injuries, and CrossFit injuries. These ebooks will provide you with free expert advice, tips, and exercises to help solve your pain from the comfort of your own home. Just visit strivetomove.com slash our services to download your ebook and have it delivered directly to your inbox. We also offer free, no obligation phone consults with a doctor on staff to New Jersey residents. Just call us at 908-547-0729 or visit us at strivetomove.com and click the talk to the doctor first button on the homepage to schedule a call with us. Thanks again for joining us and we will see you next time on the Stay Healthy New Jersey podcast.